there's no difference. For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is our text. Girls and boys, on your birthday, how many candles go on the cake? That's an easy one, isn't it? One candle for each year of your life. Did you know that this coming Wednesday, the Lutheran Church is going to be celebrating a birthday? And if somebody were to bake a cake for that celebration, how many candles would be on it? I'll give you a couple of hints. Uh, For one thing, it'd have to be a really big cake. For another thing, you may recall that last year, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. So, what does that mean? On Wednesday, we are 501 years old. It was on October 31st, 1517, that a young monk from the University of Wittenberg in Germany nailed a list of statements to the large wooden door of the local church. We refer to this event, which really was the beginning of of the Reformation, as the posting of the 95 theses. And that's the... uh, the plural form of the word thesis, which simply means statement. So every year on the last Sunday in October, we remember that young monk who by his actions forever changed the course of history. And that's no exaggeration. From him, our church has received its, its heritage, its doctrine, even its name. We are Lutheran, bearing the name of that courageous monk whom we remember today as the great reformer. That's the title of the sermon. That's also what your sermon outline uh, tries to identify. So I encourage you to follow along in that outline. But we need to be careful here. We don't worship Luther. Our church is not founded on the life and teachings of a 16th century monk, but on the life of Jesus and the teachings of Holy Scripture. In fact, Luther himself would have strenuously objected to being called the great reformer. For one thing, he didn't consider himself to be great. Now, it's fine for us to use that word to describe him, especially when, when you think of uh, everything he did and, and said and, and all that he wrote and his lasting effect on history. You add to that the fact that he risked his life to do all of that. And there really can be no doubt but that, yes, he was indeed a great man by any human standard. But Luther wasn't interested in human standards, only in God's. He knew all too well that nobody lives up to those standards, and so nobody is great in the eyes of God. As our text reminds us, there's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
One of the notions floating around the church of Jesus' day was that uh, some were different. Some were better than others. And in particular, church officials thought that they were different, meaning better than ordinary people. And they, they even had those people believing that. Luther didn't feel different. And he was part of that church establishment. The only thing about himself that he knew to be great was his sin and the enormity of its guilt. And towards the very end of his life, as, as he looked back over everything that he had accomplished, Luther still insisted that he was no greater than any other Christian. No, he said he wasn't great. God is. And as far as being a reformer goes, again, Luther would have said, no, he wasn't. He, he wanted to be, tried to be. He failed at it. To reform means to change. Now, certainly a lot of things changed as a result of, of what uh, Luther did. So if you're following in your sermon outline, you can circle, yes, he was a reformer in some ways. But you also have to circle the no, because he was not able to bring about the change, the reformation that he was especially longing for. When he uh, nailed those statements to the church door, he was hoping to change or reform the church, to, to, to change the direction the church had been going, to bring it back to the teachings of the Bible, which for, in large part had been neglected, sometimes even abandoned. Didn't happen. Not during his lifetime, anyway. Now, he was successful in bringing about a lot of discussion, but most of that centered around how to get rid of this impudent monk from Germany who was threatening to disrupt and even destroy the church. And the only change that, that the theologians then wanted, well, they wanted to change the date of Luther's death. They wanted to move that up as much as possible. So no, Luther didn't actually lead a reformation. Probably it would be more accurate to say that he was instrumental in the formation of a brand new church. The church that stood firmly on the reformation principles of scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone. And the church that's named for Luther, our church, still stands on those principles today. Our doctrine comes exclusively from the Bible. We are in 100% agreement with St. Paul when he says that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. In other words, it's all by grace. We do good works. We do the works of the law, but we do them out of gratitude to God. We do them not to make God love us, but because we know God loves us. He is great. He is good and gracious and loving and forgiving. Which is why when we talk about the great reformer, we must really direct our attention not to Martin Luther, but to a man who lived 15 centuries before Luther, talking about Jesus, of course, because more than being Lutheran, we are Christian. Christian. 
followers of Christ. He is great. Although, again, if you are uh, keeping score in the, in the sermon outline, you, the, you can circle the no there about Jesus because he was not great according to many people's definition of that word. If by great you mean that, that he conquered nations and led countries and, and amassed great amounts of, of wealth and power, then no, he wasn't great at all. But if we use the definition of greatness that Jesus lived by, then absolutely he was great. Because he didn't consider himself to be great. He he humbled himself willingly and obediently sacrificed his life for ours on the cross. So Jesus, yes, is indeed the great reformer. Although... Another no here, because there is a a sense in which Jesus has not brought about a, a reformation or a change. What I mean is that our sinful nature has not changed one little bit. We still want to sin, like to sin, are determined to sin, not we, our sinful nature, determined to sin as much as possible. Our sinful nature cannot be reformed. On the other hand, while our sinful nature hasn't changed, our eagerness to give into it has. That's because, yes, Jesus has changed us, reformed us by giving a new nature to stand against the old. This new nature doesn't replace the old and, and it cannot change anything about it. It lives right alongside it. Not that it's a peaceful coexistence. The two are are constantly in each other's face, really at each other's throat. The new nature wants nothing more than to knock down the old. To resist it, to keep it in check. And strengthened by the gospel, by the precious sacrament of the Lord's Supper... That new nature has incredible power to do just that. But do we always use that power? It doesn't seem that way to me. It seems to me that there are far too many times when we don't seem to have any interest in reforming our lives, in in changing them so that they better reflect the Savior's love. You can't imagine how frustrating that is for a preacher. We we work hard to to clearly proclaim to you God's love for you and, and His will for your lives. And to what effect? frustrating you know it's just as frustrating for a preacher at least for this preacher the fact that we really are no different aren't you glad for that aren't you glad that that your pastors use the same kind of language that you do and and conduct our lives the same way you do or are you maybe thinking I wouldn't want a pastor like that 
And maybe that's not fair. Maybe we have an advantage over you because we know that, that people are watching us and, and we want to set a good example for them. And, and besides, it's our job to be good. Well, I can tell you that, that I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm a pastor. That influences what I do and say and, and even what I think every day. It's a simple matter of integrity, credibility. How about you? How conscious are you of the fact that, well, of course, no, you're not a pastor, but you are a Christian. And others are watching you, learning from you, imitating you. Bottom line, here's what I think. Pastors should not be any different from other Christians. But Christians should be very different, obviously different from those who are not Christian. And we are different in that we know the love of our Savior and seek to show his love in our lives. But can we also work to be different in another way? Can we work to change those things about ourselves that are not God-pleasing? And you know, when you think of it that way, the term great reformer could actually be applied to each of us as we seek to reform our lives around God's will. And of course, that means we need to add a third point to the outline. But I'm going to let you write that part of the sermon with your lives this week. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.